and welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Good morning, Daniel. No. <laughs> it has been no. it's been a number of weeks. Uh, if you're watching us live, you know what we're talking about. We we filmed a mass amount of recordings in two days, uh, all of our top 100, so we really hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, it's been a while, and you know, life has been changing a little bit for both of us. Yeah, we both got full-time jobs again. Uh-huh, yeah, so even though we wanted to film this a little <laughs> earlier, we wanted to get ahead of the game, we ended yeah. up going, still being behind, but it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But at least the the fact is, um, for our audio listeners, which is, this is a podcast, that's the main thing we're trying to do, that's as right. well as the YouTubers, you, you only missed a week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's not too bad, but we hope you enjoyed either way. Uh, this this is going to be a good list. This is this one. This is an interesting list. It's a very interesting list. I didn't realize that half of the games that were on this list were on this list. <laughs> that, that's I mean, the problem I mean, with this. I, I mean, they make sense. Uh, Sure. And and I know a lot of this will go into our debate when it comes up because our theme this week is the top eight debate for top eight Renaissance games according to Board Game Geek. So if the games according to Board Game Geek have the Renaissance category, mm-hmm. which I'm assuming is kind of the theme, uh, technically, but it's not technically. It, it, so, the yeah. way Board Game Geek describes Renaissance, and this is under category Renaissance, not yeah. theme or anything like that. This one's category. Games are those that, are Renaissance games are those that set between the end of the 14th century when the Renaissance began in Italy and roughly the 16th century when firearms were not dominating the battlefield. Right. Very few of these have anything to do with battle. Or well. really the Renaissance, if you think about it. Right. Uh, yeah, about okay. I, I can see some of them. Yeah, yeah. Number three, uh, definitely. especially between the time frame that they put it in. But uh, the number one seed, the number four seed. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get into that because <laughs> this is why we have the category. Does the theme match the mechanisms? And we're really gonna like so some of these games. The theme does match the mechanism. For the theme that the game is doing, but not the theme that we're going off of. And we, yeah. I think, in all fairness, we should count the Renaissance as the theme for this debate. Oh, it, because that's what we're picking, right? Yeah. So our number one, you know, it, I mean, it I get technically you. matches the theme of yeah, what yeah, it's doing. I get you because of the time frame, <laughs> but, the, but because of the yeah, because of the backstory, because of the backstory. <laughs> Which Not really because of the gameplay itself. Surprised me because I don't actually know the backstory of this game. I didn't realize it had one. Yeah, there. Really? I I wasn't paying. I never paid attention. It's an abstract game. <laughs> it's, I mean, there's no there's no real theme in there. There's no <laughs> like. Why would you have a backstory to this? Like because that's what they base this game on. There, there's more backstory in like how. We're from New Mexico. We're in a town called Las Cruces. And we're technically named Las Cruces because when they settled the town, there were a few crosses planted. And that's no. what they named off of. No. No, it's not. It's not the crossroads. That's not what you think. That's not. That's a false history. But there was... But that's what I'm saying, though, is that... Is I wouldn't say that if, if there was a game, like, heavily influencing Las Cruces here in our hometown... That it would be all that thematic. <laughs> because, yeah, technically the, the 
the the backstory has something to do with that. Yeah, technically. But does it though? You see what I'm saying? Sure. Our audience has no idea what game we're talking about. I'm pretty sure at this. No, point. and we're not going to tell them just yet. No, no, we're not, because this has been a this has been a fun time getting back into this list. And our next week, I think we're also going to be talking about uh, some interesting topics. some interesting topics that we came up with that are really oh, no, weird let, let, over the break. So. Let, let's let, let's let uh, uh, I'll admit it. You came up with these weird ones. Oh, yes, don't I did. put this juju on me. <laughs> it, it they were weird, and uh, we're looking forward to. Discussing those. So, by all means, tune in. We haven't decided which one of the two now we're going to go off of. But, uh, honestly, the, one of them that I went over, uh, specifically the ones that you don't that we don't remember, a few of these games fall in that category <laughs> for me. <laughs> right. and, and so the, the topic I came up with was... Uh, uh, no, no, no spoilers. Oh, okay. No, okay, fine. No spoilers. But, yes, some of these fall into that category. To the point where, yeah, we had to we had to watch some videos earlier. We we've we played them. It's just it's been a while since we played while. them. Yep. Um, Need a little refresher. I think I think out of all this list, the most recent one I played is our number seven. Um, not for me. Yeah, my most recent is definitely number one, but still, um, yeah. I mean that's. Yeah, number I, seven I, is not far behind, <laughs> and that's saying something because we haven't got together to play games either. I think right. we'll, uh, it's been a while. Thinking about doing one right before my trip. Ooh, we should do that. Yeah, the, any the, excuse to play games, really. The, the weekend before, especially since I got some really good ones. And what about just... the weekend after? You're gonna come back with some games, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I'm quarantining. Well, we'll play Board Game Arena. Thank <laughs> you for Board Game Arena for existing. Yeah, it's kept us sane over the years. Alright, so our topic is the top eight debate Renaissance games. Yeah. Looking what, forward to that. You're a history buff. You you like the Renaissance? What, what uh, Renaissance is probably my most boring period. Really mine was easily um the Victorian. I well, I can't yeah. get into anything Victorian. I'm I'm okay with the Victorian because what people don't realize is during the Victorian era there wasn't just Victorian history. The Victorian era okay. was uh, within the 1800s, so in America we had the Civil War going on around the time Queen Victoria was around, uh, as well as the Industrial Revolution was going on around the same time. So there, there's some historical stuff, it's just the Victorian modesty stuff is what everybody f is remembers. Well, that's, I mean, that's why it's called the Victorian era, right? Yeah, you well, know, but... it's called the Victorian era because Queen Victoria was on the throne. Yeah. And she's a uh, descendant to... to almost all the royalty to the world right now um, on the European side. Yeah, that makes sense. It's just it, all I know about that, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to prove that I know nothing about history is I know that they wear some poofy hair, some overly fancy clothes, and the buildings were fairly bleak and just kind of boring. Like they were decorative, but they weren't. Like... Uh, the reason for that too is also, again, it was during the industrial revolution and the, the buildings got really, really dirty. Yeah. Okay, I can believe that. It's so that's my uh, like the Dark Ages was more interesting to me. Pre prehistory, prehistoric ages, those are more interesting. Mm -hmm. No, no, I, you're, I medieval agree is is awesome. Uh, I like the medieval era Renaissance. If you're really into like the art history of the Renaissance, yeah. fine. For me, I'm not. I I'm not an artist. Let me tell you, and it doesn't intrigue me. It doesn't entertain me. 
I like Da Vinci for his inventions more so than his sure. his art and the work he did in like historical aspects like yeah. uh, anatomy and that sort of stuff. Whereas um, like Tuscany, Michelangelo. Michelangelo, the really really big art because a lot of it is religious, and I'm not a huge religious person, so yeah. that kind of stuff just doesn't intrigue me. I I like the idea of the Renaissance being the fact that it. I, I've, I come from a long line of artists, so of course it's more in, in, yeah, 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 yeah. in my end. But I like the idea of that the the whole time frame is kind of you know, but kind of put into context by just a flourishing of the arts. Like oh, finally, yeah. all the artists from just about anywhere could now flourish their talents, and that that I believe that like that's why people use the term. It's like oh, this is the Renaissance of blah. Like, yeah, this yeah, is a no. board game renaissance right now, you know? And I mean, that it kind of coins the term. It's like, oh, it's a big flourishing of something, of a creative endeavor. And I love that on that basis alone. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, don't get me, don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy that fact. In fact, I like a lot of the um, buildings from that time frame, yeah. that historical aspects. But I, I prefer more like the Gothic architecture compared oh, yeah. to, say, like Victorian and Renaissance. Some Renaissance yeah. is really nice. But, yeah. Cool. So this was a random uh, just discussion point that we wanted to bring. Well, we're talking we go... about a historical aspect, yeah. so and we've done medieval games before. We have done medieval games. So what's next? Industrial Revolution games? Or what if there's a category uh, for that? I bet there's an industrial category on Board Game Geek. Probably because if you think about it, the the newest game that came out, Furnace, is about the Industrial Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, the Martin Wallace game, uh, Brass, is yeah. during that time period. Raccoon Tycoon Gizmos. could basically be around that time. <laughs> uh, Gizmos, if it was just industrial, probably. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, before we get going into the podcast, since, it, since it's been six weeks, we don't normally do this, but um, can you give me a rundown of any games that you've played? Oh, man. I've played a lot of games lately. Have you? Uh, I played a lot of games. Um, you know, I've since resumed my Friday night game nights with, okay. with, with some of my buddies, and we. Which played... I never invited to, by the way. Just that is bold <laughs> lies. You are you have been invited to every one of them, and you chose <laughs> to have a life instead, Mister. Uh, I have a wife and spe- like spending time with her and stuff, which I do too, but. Yeah, you just say this that because you're afraid that the wife is actually going to see this. Oh, she does not <laughs> want to watch this. I don't blame her. Uh, that's not her thing. But yeah, no, we played so many games. Uh, I'm sure I can name a few. Let's see here. Let's just look at any of the past games that's worth mentioning. Uh, I played Happy City. Um, that was a cool one from that's Game Right. That's where it's like the 60 second build or something like that or no no no, no, no that, that's, that's the a... card game right the the one that you played happy city is yeah. the card game yeah happy right. city is a new one from game right very inexpensive um it's technically city building but it uses some really interesting stuff it's like bachi koro but no random or very little random okay uh the night cage holy cow the night cage is good you definitely need to try that um, I am very happy with that. That is one of the few games I've played multiple times in the past week that I've, two weeks that I've had it. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it went over really well. It's two it's, weeks. Well, no, I've had it for what month, month and a half. Yeah, now. I was gonna say because you talked but, about it last time we. <laughs> right, but I hadn't played it up until recently. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. the following day, we played it again, 
And then the following day, I demoed it at the shop, and it goes over so well. It, it's super random. Like, you're just pulling tiles. But, man, is there, like, a sense of dread every tile you draw. So, if you I don't remember want to do it. correctly, you're, like, running away from, like, monsters or creatures in the night cage. Yeah, they're called wax eaters. Yeah, and there's, like, one person's running everything. and Yeah. The, the idea, in a nutshell... The candle is the amount of tiles that you have to draw through the, the, the tile stack. You have to find a certain number of keys, and then you have to find a gate, uh, which of which there's only four normally, and you have to all converge on one spot, with each with a key in hand, in order to escape the night cage. Your life is that candle. If you get damaged, you're discarding tiles from that candle, oh, man. which may or may not be the ones you need still to survive. And the way the board changes as you play, you move and then all you you remove all of the tiles that you can no longer see, which is more than one space away, or you know because the candle light is only so far, and you replenish it with other tiles. It, God, like you, I've never had a game where you hated drawing tiles and discarding tiles at the same time, just as much. You hate playing it. Just as much as you do uh, discarding the tiles. Because you know you need those tiles. Yeah. You know those are your life. But then at the same time, you don't want to flip that next tile. Because it's probably a wax eater. <laughs> it sucks. It's so mean. Uh, I love it. It's really good. I'm definitely playing it on Halloween. Nice. Uh, my problem is I probably won't be able to play games on Halloween. Because I'll be too tired. I'll be flying back in. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I forgot about that. Well, I mean, I'll be taking my kids out for for uh, trick-or-treating. Okay. But I think afterwards I might have a game night. That would be really fun. It's kind of a tradition in my household. Well, we love well, Halloween. Yeah, but the, the thing for me is, like, we're flying back. Uh, that's the day we actually get back, and then I have to go to work the very next day. <laughs> yeah, so, well, you're not invited to my <laughs> Halloween party, apparently. You see that? I'm not yeah. invited. No. Nope. Did, did you hear but that? But Fridays, right? come on There's, there's actual yeah. <laughs> evidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you been playing anything that's worth noting? Uh, there's There's been a few. I know you talked about, like, the Night Cage. I do mm-hmm. want to talk about, um, we last had a game night about... After we filmed our top 100, and it was about se- back in the middle of September, yeah. there was a few games in there that we played. One I want to talk about, because I played it a second time with a different group, and that's Raccoon Tycoon. I I think that is probably one of the smartest economic games I've ever played. And for as simple as it is, trust me, I've played other economic games, and I've had issues with them. And it's the way this one works is... You basically take one action out of, like, five things you can do. You can manipulate the market by putting playing a card, raising it, and then getting resources with that same card. Or you can sell after you, on your next turn, if the market hasn't been manipulated to where it's uh, de- detrimental to you, you could sell that commodity as many resources that you sell. You drop it down to the lower price because, hey, they're not going to want the demand anymore because mm-hmm. there's a lot of it's been sold. But that's how you make a lot of your money. Then you can auction off railroads because railroads are going to start compounding. So if you have three top dogs, it's only going to be worth like 15 points for you. But if you can get the fourth one, it's going to be worth like uh, 20 points or something like that. And then um, also you get towns. They're going to be worth more the further along you get. Mm -hmm. And then when you connect them to railroads, they're going to give you extra points. 
And then as well as like getting buildings that can give you better resources, upgrading said buildings. There's a lot going on in this game, but it's still very, very simple. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. <laughs> I am I want to play it again. I just realized something. Out of these six weeks that we've been off, I'm talking about the thematic game. <laughs> and you're talking about the economic game. What's going on? What happened? I got a Where job. I mean, so did I, but like, did we just flipped? Uh, did, did we pull like one of those uh, Freaky Friday, like <laughs> where we flip bodies all of a sudden? Like, am I Daniel now? Though, what's funny about this one is uh, it's a very economic game, but it's yeah. got cutesy animals on it. I, yeah. I, okay, I like it because it's funny. I like animals, Raccoon Tycoon. I mean, I can pull it out right here since you're going to do a show and tell. I may or may not. Yep. I mean, that raccoon's pretty adorable, right? <laughs> I mean, like, he's got a hat, and it's based on the industrial age, one of the ages I don't care much for. Yep. Speaking of industrial revolution, maybe we should make that list. <laughs> no, we played raccoon. Ty- no, yeah, it's really good. But yeah, there's been some good games lately. Um, I do want to point out, I've actually played a new legacy game. Well, it's technically a legacy game, and I technically not. Might be starting a legacy game here soon. I bought it on clearance at Target. For $1.75. What legacy game did Target have? It's called Uno Remix. Oh, God. <laughs> I played it a couple times with my son because uh, he loved the idea. It's like, hey, we can play Uno, which is a game I don't tend to enjoy that much. But it was like, well, let's play Uno as a group, but you can write on the cards and tear them up and make permanent changes. It's like, cool. So really all you're doing is you're adding tally marks and being a jerk. <laughs> That's really all it is. You add a tally mark. Like, you know the plus two, like, draw cards? You basically just add tally marks to it. It's like, oh, so now you're drawing 15. <laughs> oh, it's nice. like, yeah, it, it doesn't make it any better, but it makes my son happy, and it's funnier, and why not, right? It was $1.75 to, yeah. just to say that I've played another <laughs> Legacy game. <laughs> well, your goal is to play them all. Speaking of Legacy games, uh, we talked about it on the... Um, in our group chat, yes, the Prospero Hall legacy game that they're coming up Jurassic with. Jurassic World. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I, I don't get me wrong. I'm hesitantly nervous, but I'm pretty stoked. I want to play it. I, I, I've liked a lot of Prospero Hall games. Right. Uh, I don't think I've had one that I didn't like. They do very good justice to IPs. Yeah, yeah, especially um, to IPs, because uh, recently we just played uh, Aliens Fate of Nostromo. I like it. I did too. It but good. it's Never not my movie. Yeah, not my favorite IP. I do get Phil Aliens in it, yeah. but I mean, with the when it comes to like the Prospero Hall IPs, like Jaws, I feel like I'm, I'm playing the, the movie. Or, Toy Story. Obstacles or, or, and Adventures. Yeah, Toy Stories. Yeah. Uh, Harry Potter, speaking of which, that's the one I was going to talk about next. Harry Potter um, Hogwarts Battle. We just recently started playing it again. I got the newest expansion. Mm-hmm. Oh, that newest expansion has made that game such more livable. Yeah. Such livable. Just, I'll tell everybody this. If you're going to buy either one of the expansions, get the potions and char- or charms and potions expansion before you get the Monster Book of Monsters. Because it makes the game much more viable. There was a house rule that we played that you could spend two coins to wipe the... the yep. Wipe all six cards and all six cards, yeah. yeah. And the way, um, much of a call it, Toy Story did yeah. something to this, or they fixed that in the Charms and Potion. There's a way to do it now, too. If you right. get the charms, you can wipe the board. Uh, and there's certain the charms 
what are cool about them is the way they work is that it depends on where your life points are when you start your turn. Okay. So the one I play a lot is um, if I'm at full health, I can ignore a dark arts card that's coming up. So if I only have to pull one, I can just, I don't have to pull one because I can ignore one card. Okay. The uh, second one, or when I get down into, I think it's 10, 9, and 8 for the first level. If I get down into the next, like, 7, 5, and 6, and 4, I think is what it is, then I can ignore one of the bad guy's abilities, the villain abilities. Okay. And so, that sometimes could be very helpful, especially yep. if I have a deck about drawing cards and the basket's out there and won't let you draw extra cards. If I, hate I that card. <laughs> and the thing rude. is, if I start my, at the start of my turn, that's what it, when it triggers, I have to discard a card. Yeah. So I don't draw my draw, Dark Arts card. I don't do any of the villain times because it's the start of my turn. If I discard a card, I can do one of those two things. And if I'm down in the lower level, I can ignore both. That's pretty good. Wow. <laughs> And there's other charms, stuff like that, too. There's ones that um, if you're here, you can have all your teammates get two hearts or draw two cards or do stuff like that. So I really, really enjoy the way this makes the game much more viable, much more family-friendly. Cool. And allows you to do stuff that you really couldn't do. Yeah, because from what I understand, Monster Book of Monsters just added in a bunch of mean stuff, right? Oh, yeah, and then you get dead cards in your hand. Uh, think um, Legendary. Yeah. Wow. This one, they're called Mm. attentions. Wow. And they just become dead cards in your hand. Oh, and what makes it even worse? Why would that be fun? What even makes it worse is that if you discard the card or choose to discard the card, you lose two hearts. (laughs) You might as well lose a turn at this point. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And the thing is, when we were playing the go to jail, don't don't cross. When we were playing the Monster Book of Monsters. The cards that were coming up, uh, by the time it would get to my turn, I'd already be stunned. Yeah. And I'd be like the fourth player, and we'd go through three turns, and the way the things hit, I'd be stunned by the start of my turn. You know, you're convincing me Uno Remix is not so bad. <laughs> Just that. I, I kid. That Monster Book of Monsters is really, really difficult, and that's why the, I, I understand why they went with the terms of potions. Yeah. The potions aspect suck because they give you dark art cards and potions, and they stay out. And so there's a permanent effect until you use your potion ingredients to get rid of that card. <laughs> so there's a okay. neg- another negative effect, not only well, to mention like uh, encounters that the um, Monster Book of Monsters added. So it's just like, oh my god. Well, I'm glad I played the base game, and I'm glad I'm not going to play it again. But uh, let's hope Toy Story doesn't pull garbage like that. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I, I they'll I, make the expansions for it. To be honest, well, but. they yeah, because they did basically the movies and all the yeah. The only movie I don't think is in there is the most recent one, the fourth one. It is is it? It was right before the fourth one, and they got a pre pre screening of it. That's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Other than that, I got this nice, nice new spiffy hat. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> like, lo- looks like a sandal. Yeah. Well, it's the San, Di- San Antonio Flying Chunkless. Yep. <laughs> Do you want to tell the viewers what that means uh, for anybody who doesn't understand who isn't so... as, who isn't as into Hispanic culture as as that? No, what what is it? Um, no, who isn't into baseball? As much as you are, so it, one it is a baseball team, but the flying chunkla is, is there's a 
minor league series that is like the Copa de something or another. I can't remember what it's actually called. It's supposed to be like the Fun Cup or something like that. It's about Mexican heritage, so a lot of teams do different things, like uh, our local El Paso Chihuahuas or the El Paso Margaritas, because apparently it, in this area is where the margarita was invented. Okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know that it's either. Me. <laughs> uh, which which is funny, because they're called the El Paso Chihuahuas. If there's anything that is Mexican, it's the little rat dog. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's like a staple over here. If Taco Bell is talking anything about Hispanic <laughs> culture. What? Hey, half my family is Hispanic, and I bet you most of them have a chihuahua of some sort. Half of my family is, too. I married into it. <laughs> that, is, that is true. true. Yeah. Well, then more, 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 more than half of my family is because yeah. <laughs> I married a... I'm a half-breed, and so is my wife. Uh, we're both biracial children of yeah. a... Uh, my wife is German-Mexican, and I'm Irish-Mexican, so... <laughs> uh, but... I digress, The but this is the San Antonio Missions version of it, the Flying Chanclas, and it's a joke because you don't want to mix with a Latina, a Latinx mother when she's got a chancla in her hand. That means stuff is about to go yeah. down, and don't run from it because they can throw it. Yeah. Like it, just, it gets faster through, <laughs> through the air. Yeah. It's weird. You're between space and time, and they'll get you no matter where you're trying to hide. <laughs> Curving around corners. <laughs> So I've been eyeing this hat and a buddy got it me for my birthday and I was like, yeah, this is awesome. It's a really great hat. There's another one I want to get for it is out of Albuquerque. They're the mariachis and oh, that is cool. a gorgeous hat. Oh, well, you'll have to show me after this. Yeah. That's, that's cool. But I digress. We've been getting off topic a little bit and we do have to get this through because uh, just to let everybody know on the audio side, um, when we get this in the YouTube side. We're recording it on a Wednesday. I don't know if I'm going to keep the Friday upload schedule because I work Thursdays, so I can't really sit here and edit. Right. So it might start going up the following Wednesday. So when we record on Wednesday uh, earlier in the morning, the next one would be going up. So you may have two weeks where you miss, and I'll put a Twitter out there for everybody, a tweet um, out there for everybody. But starting, which should, what's today? The 6th? 6th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's the 13th it's on the is when this should go up. We're behind the curtains. We're, yeah. we're giving them a glimpse. Yeah. All right. That sounds good. All right. So today, like like we said earlier, it is going to be our top eight debate for top eight Renaissance games. So before we talk about which games we have on the list, let's talk about our honorable mentions. Because when we're looking through the lists, this is kind of tough for me, but I did come up with three games that uh, I that I can call honorable mentions. So um, let me pull out the coin of doom. Oh, you actually got a coin on you this I time. I might have a coin on me this time. Let's see. Let's. I'm hearing I it. I sure do. All right, here we go. Coin of doom. As always, Daniel is tails. So lead us off. All right. So my first game on my list here for honorable mentions, and I. I guess it, this, this is, should be on the Renaissance era because it's about putting on plays and kings and stuff like that. But again, it's another one with like cutesy animals. Uh, this is uh, Hysterio from Bruno Cathala. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Honestly, I don't, I don't know why I was so upset at this one. Like, it's just, <laughs> it wasn't fun. Like, I, everything you did. I actually really like, enjoyed this one so much so there's things trip. valuable you had to get rid of the cards that were worth points. It it was so counterbalanced. Yeah, like 
Are we like, talking about the same game? Absolutely. You either had uh, drama or comedy. Yeah. And and you had to play those cards in order for those values to go up. But if I'm playing comedy cards to make the value go up, I don't have comedy cards in my hand. That and someone also could change it to... Uh... And they could change it to drama. Like, it... It didn't work. I really it, I enjoyed it. I don't know why you didn't like it. It's it wasn't weird. finished. There's was, something about it. It was It was weird. You're saying Bruno Cathala did not finish the game? I, I don't know why. It felt unfinished to me. I'm not saying... Like, maybe I was missing something, but it's just... It, it really just... As oh. we played it, I could never get into it. But anyway, I'm, it's a good pick. Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> uh, I don't want to go too much into this, especially since we were really, really off topic. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, but I really enjoy it. it. Again, you're talking about you're making plays and you're playing things out there and you're trying to score the most points and, you know, meeting your secret goal or your mm-hmm. secret letters that you have. I enjoy it. I have a good time with it. I haven't played it in a bit, like uh, most of this list over here. <laughs> so, uh, Hysterio. All right. Uh, my number three is actually two different games that I, I picked real quick, but I'll talk about them very quickly. Um, one is technically the Alhambra Special Edition Big Box. And oh. the reason that technically qualifies is because Granada, which mm-hmm. is technically Alhambra, but slightly rethemed. And like, a couple little mechanism difference, but Not mostly much. it's the same thing. Yeah. So technically Alhambra is on my list. Which isn't Renaissance. Which isn't Renaissance. But because that big box included Granada, Granada, which is Renaissance. <laughs> yeah, you see what I mean. We, but, we really had to scrape the bottom of the barrel for this one. But the real number three was uh, a really small game that pretty much no one talks about. It's called Palaces by Guerrilla Games. And it's a really neat. I like the way the art looks. Um, there's not much art on the cards. It's, it's nice graphic so, design. Yeah, but... That tells you it's ugly. No, if you like the way the most of gri- most of Guerrilla Games are pretty bad, I will admit. <laughs> um, you know, Jeff Sidak, uh, the designer of the games and the owner of the company, he's a really neat designer, and I like a, quite a few of his games. Yeah, but the I mean, they're they're not the prettiest to look at. This one actually is like I, the art on it is really kind of neat, and it has really ne- neat like a uh, half sphere like little tower pieces. Yeah, and it's a deck building bidding game. So you're, you have these cards that you auction off, but that goes into your deck where you'd potentially be able to auction off more. And it, it's really weird how you like build up your deck by auctioning things off, and which is an interesting idea. But the thing is, you're building basically two towers that have to have the same uh, symbols on it, right? And you're only going to score points up to where they stop matching. So if one is a huge tower and the other tower is not that big, well, then, you know, you're only going to score that. So let's say, for example, I have uh, a, a silver piece and then a red piece and a green piece, right? Yeah. I have to have silver, red, and green on one of my towers or on the other tower in order to score up to three, three levels. But the catch is, so if I play, like, you know, another silver, that won't work for one of my towers because it doesn't match on the other. So I have to put that on top of the taller tower which is something that I have to figure out later on how I'm going to balance that. It's really intriguing how that works. Um, I, it, I haven't played it in a long time, but I remembered it, it did some really neat things that I still have not seen in any other, in any other deck building game. So that's my number three is Palaces, but with a little side mention of uh, Granada. 
interesting. Um, my next pick is one I haven't played yet. One I own and is sitting on my shelf of shame. Where is it? Right there. There it is. The very tippity top. And that is Coimbra. Um, I saw this on the list. I did pick the game up. It looks really interesting. The um, I love the little boats that the dice go into. Yeah, those are pretty cool. <laughs> Uh, and it's uh, like a dice placement uh, type game. It looks really, really interesting. I've watched a couple ways how to play it or the how to plays. And I just want to bust it out. And I just, I haven't yet. I just haven't got around to it. Uh, my full-time job takes up all my game time. Yep. I'm very <laughs> hesitant to play it too. Because of the colors? Because of the colors. They don't look that bad from what I was seeing. Like on It the... triggers me really bad though. Oh, does it? Yeah. Yeah, because we've discussed this on the podcast before. We're, we're both we're colorblind. The, we're, we're both colorblind. Same type of colorblind, but different as well. Yeah, we're like... Different, it, very slightly different. Yeah. 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 But yeah, no, it looks okay. The dice look fine. It's the rest of the colors that I'm going to have issues with. Yeah, the rest of the colors are fine to me. <laughs> but as soon as they pulled out the dice, like, wait, those are different? <laughs> it's, like me, it's like me and Sagrada. Like, wait, that yeah. that's blue and purple? What? 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 And normally blue and purple really messes with me, but Sagrada, it's not too bad for mine. Oh, yeah, no, it messes with me and Sagrada. Really? And the red and green, don't even get me started on that. I think it's because of the translucentness of it. It yeah. really bothers me. But Makes I sense. digress. Coinbrot looks really good. I really want to try it. Um, not much I can say about it because I haven't played it yet, but I had to yeah. put a, a game on this list for my honorable midget, so there we go. There you go. My number two is uh, is a really, it's a dice version of a game that you have played. I have not, but it is Nations the Dice Game. Super cool uh, little dice game where you're building, you're, you're building your nations. You're getting these tiles that add to your board that you're able to get better dice and you have better rolls and ways to mitigate things. It, it's a really neat dice engine builder. Other than that, I won't go on about it too much. If you've played Nations, uh, there's a good chance that you like the dice game and you can introduce more people to it. If you don't like Nations, then still give it a try because. It's a pretty light game. Yeah. You know, it's like 30, 40 minutes, something like that, 45 minutes. And it's fun. I liked it a lot. I still have it in my collection for a reason. Nice. Nations nice segue for my number one. Your uh, number one being? Nations. Nations. Uh, you can also put Through the Ages in here. The uh, Not Dice game. Yeah, the actual Nations game. I went with Nations just because I talked about Through the Ages more recently, um, and it made it my top 100, so I figured, hey... Let's go with Nations itself. Yeah. It's a Civ game, and again, like I said, you, I, you could plug in through the ages here, too. They're, they are very similar, not too much. Nations does one thing where Civ is a lot longer, a yeah. lot And you're a big fan heavier. of Civ games. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, it's really good um, where you're getting your resources, you're building up your military, you have your leaders and stuff like that, and you're literally building a civilization up from the ground up so you mm -hmm. go through the renaissance era yeah. not all the time but because someone can wipe you out no nah, no nah, it's not that bad you play it over a few rounds and whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins who had the best civilization and so forth really good really enjoyable i have a great time playing it if i had to choose between the two i'd probably th play through the ages um just because I like those kind of grandiose games. I mean, come on, I got Twilight Imperium on the shelf over here. Yeah. So if I, when I had the time, I'd play them. I haven't had the time lately, so. Right. And my last honorable mention is a game that I'm going to tell right now. If anybody's ever played this game or any of our commenters, viewers, whatever, 
please comment down below and tell Daniel he needs to get off his butt and play this game. That's Castles of Tuscany from Stefan Felt. Man, I just bought Trajan, all right? Calm down. Uh, uh, but you have played Trajan before. Yes. This. Let me tell you about this game. When do this, I have time? Oh, th that's the beauty of this game. It's a 45-minute game. In two players, it's really only like a 30-minute game. It's really great. Because the way he streamlined it, let me tell you. <laughs> I won't go into this infomercial. No, it's it. It's a very different game than Castles of Burgundy, but it has a lot of the same idea. Instead of Castles of Burgundy and the dice placement... Oh, I'm sorry, not dice placement, but uh, dice-based actions that you're playing. Really, in this one, it's card-based. Um, you're getting sets of cards or pairs of the same ones um, in order to do the actions, in order to buy the tiles, put them on your board. Um, they score in similar aspects, but man, it's just the way it works is so brilliant. I can't tell you enough. It's still, I want to play it more, but I think it might still unseed Castles of Burgundy. And but it's, it did it's in a, your top 100. It didn't in my top 100 because I have not played it much lately. Yeah, I, I still got to pick it up. I, I I like collecting the Feld games. In fact, I got <laughs> money in the Kickstarter that's going on right now. Oh, man. That one hurts. Yeah, uh, hurts so good. I got all the Felds there. I got Trajan down there now. Yeah, one of which we're debating today. Two of which we're debating today. <laughs> oh, yeah, there is two on here. That's right. about that one. That's right. <laughs> so... Uh, this is tough, because I like both of those ones. I don't know which one I like more. We'll find out, won't we? Yeah. All right, so let's get into this. Uh, best way to do it is how do we... Yeah, let's talk about them. why we debate these. First off, uh, Board Game Geek has these ranked in a, in a list. Mm -hmm. uh, we pick these the category, theme, mechanism, designer, whatever, publisher, and we put them by the BoardGameGeek.com rankings. Yep. Then we take the top eight of them that you and I have both played... Because if we if one of us hasn't played it, it's kind of a one-sided argument. Yeah. We want to give them each a chance. So we take the top eight that they were rated, put them in seeds based on their ranking, and then pair them up. When we're debating, we have five criteria. Five criteria that we go off of. The first one being ease of play. Uh, basically, the way to think of this is how uh, simple are the mechanisms or how familiar are they? You yeah. know, if you're rolling dice and moving, it's easy mechanisms, but and you're pretty familiar, but that may or may not lead to a game. But also, um, you know, we really don't like analysis paralysis and where oh, if the yeah. game really throws everything in with the kitchen sink, you know, and, and it makes you freeze up every turn because of how many choices you have to consider, that's not easy to play. Mm -hmm. And also, what how likely you can get it to the table, you know, and if, if the rules are difficult. Like the rules, yeah, the rules yeah. being difficult, the theme. Yep. Uh, I know people who are Fallout fans, and that's likely to get to the table for me because I'm a Fallout fan. So, right. whereas my wife, she could care less about Fallout. She never played right. the games, but if it's got like I don't know Elder Scrolls on it, and she'll be down to play that. So yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I'm waiting for that Elder Scrolls tabletop game as right. soon as they do that, like Skyrim, the board game. Oh, I'm in. Oh, I mean, I don't care if it's awful. I mean. <laughs> well, there you go. So ease of play. Replay value is the next criteria that we have. And this goes down to how well does it sweat scale with player counts as well as the length of time. Is it a six-hour game? Do you feel like it's a six-hour game? Or does it keep you invested the whole way? Uh, minimum number of plays to get the full experience. What we mean by that is if it's a campaign game, how many games of that do you have to play to get the overarching story or yeah. is it something or if it's like a modular game like mm -hmm. can you 
do you have legitimately different choices every time you you attempt the game? Yeah, exactly. And so if say chess, it's the same game every time. So yeah. you you know how to play it the first time you play it. You might not be good, but at least you know how to play it. Whereas if you're playing something like Onitama, there's what, 15 cards in the base there? Yep. But you're only ever going to see like five of them at a time. So you don't know how they're going to work or what's going on. So it's going to take you a a couple of plays to get know how to play it. As well is expandability. And what we mean by this is the expansions. Does it already have existing expansions? Uh, We're allowing up to one possible future expansion. Our our favorite here is Space Space um, has Volume 1. We're assuming there's going to be a Volume 2, which, by the way, they have recently announced. Which they have. Yes, sir. (laughs) Or has been confirmed by the designer or publishers that there's going to be other expansions. Exactly. Uh, In case with that one, it's like Wingspan. They've already said they're going to make an expansion for the six other continents. Yep, Exactly. The next one that, that uh, we have is art and production. Art and production, pretty straightforward. Is the art good? Mm-hmm. And we know that's subjective, but, I mean, there are some that clearly, like, they spend more time into. Or, I mean, that cover is prettier than yeah, the original this, Castles of Burgundy cover. Exactly. This cover is nice and pretty. You know, it's minimalistic, and we can appreciate it, right? Whereas, like, some other covers, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, or how about the pieces and components? That's another big factor. Yes. Uh, sure, you know, minis do tend to make the game nicer, but they also make them more expensive. But if you have that over, like, I'm going to use Elder Sign as, a, as an example. Your piece is about, you know, a centimeter it's square. Cheap. All right. And, it's and not you even can a big hardly one. tell what piece it yeah. is. You know, that's functionally not very good. Um, also, like, for example, that we've used in the past, deck building games, you need good quality cards. Yeah. And that's the thing we knocked about Buffalo games is the... Uh, yeah, great summer, summer, summer camp. Summer camp, really good. But it's a deck builder. It's going to get torn up. I just had to sleeve my Harry Potter game. Yep. But that's with us playing through the seven chapters yep. and Number of two expansions. And so yeah, the, recent, the cards held up. I recently sleeved summer, uh, camp. summer camp, and oh boy, now that game is just <laughs> one of the best. It's so good. Uh, but yeah, and then finally, um, the graphic design. And this is really important for you and me because, one, we're colorblind, and that's huge. You know, a lot of publishers now take that into consideration, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Looking at you, Alea. Yep, Alea, not not so much. But, I mean, lately they've been better, Mm -hmm. you know. And, like, Stonemeyer Games, our friend Jamie Stegmeyer, he makes that a point to make sure that color it's colorblind friendly. Yeah, like take it to ride. That's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Like the cards now, or the spaces on there, how are color coded with symbols? Yeah, uh, that's all. It that, needs. That's even what you need to do. Is like, oh, we're gonna make this green and red because those are like yeah. the easier colors to print and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Let's put a little symbol on them that differentiates the two. How right. hard is that? Not, no, I don't think so. But, but that also for non-colorblind folk, you know, if is it icon heavy, like uh, Race for the Galaxy, where there's hundreds of icons that you gotta like try and memorize and figure out what they all mean. Or is it just walls of text? That's also equally as bad. Yeah. So taking your time, making sure the graphics help the gameplay, that's a huge thing. Next one on our list here is Meaningful Choice. This is another one that we... This is one of our more important ones, is what you're doing, what choices you make in the mm-hmm. game. Is it impacting other player strategies? Is your choice, in like in a worker placement game place, to go and block someone else's area knowing they had to go there how do you impact their strategy by doing that or taking something from them uh resource wise right 
impacting other players on um, your long-term strategy. Again, are you being vindictive and blocking a spot from someone, or is that actually going to help you out? But that's all right. strategy points. As well as, do arbitrary choices make an impact of the game? Uh, my favorite here is catching guns. I can play that blind and still have a chance to win. I'm not oh. making any choices. I can... I don't know what this is. I only got three bullets in the chamber, so let's see what comes up here. Just draw one off the top. <laughs> yeah, which, which, yeah, that, that's one of the few games that that I am less annoyed by people doing that. Because that, it's funny. There's plenty of games where it's like, well, you have to make a conscious choice. And like, well, I'll just play the chaos player. It's like, no, you'll play the jerk player. Yeah. You'll play the annoying player. But Don't it, do that. It works for catching, catching guns. Catching guns kind of works. Because yeah, it's more it's of a... shenanigans. It's a shenanigans game of chance. And that's why, that's why you're doing it. But if everybody does it, then it's just like, what's the point? What's the point of the game? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, anyway. <laughs> or the the fact that you can egg someone on and cash and gun and be like, all right, I'm pulling one off the top, you pull one off the top. Let's see what hell this is going to go. Yeah. Yeah, we'll find out. And our last category is uh, game immersion. You know, and this specifically, does the game fit the theme that we've picked, which is Renaissance today? Uh, normally, we'll, it'll match either the mechanism or the theme. A player interaction. That's a huge thing. And this is not strategic play interaction. This is not what I play affects your play. Yeah. This is talking like, how much am I going to get into the theme of this story? Am it's I going to start talking like an old French royal or an old, like, from the Renaissance? Like, in this game, am I going to release my inner Renaissance style? Am I going to feel the urge to paint on your wall? Yeah. But it's not, it's not just that kind of a, like a immersion that we're talking about either. It, <laughs> uh, it, also like the table talk as well, but it's more like what I was just saying about cashing guns, where you're egging each other on. You think yeah. of Quacks of Quenlinburg, and you're like, I'll pull like, one on, if you pull on. one. <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. That makes great player interaction. There there was uh, there was a game that, that we played a, a while. There was a game <laughs> that we played a number of number of years ago, and I remembered... Oh, I thought that, you were going to talk about the, the, the last game we played at that game night that uh, had our mutual friend Gamehead Geek getting so annoyed because of that player interaction. What QE? happened on that one? Oh, QE, yeah. No, it, well, it was another auction game, but I remember, like, one of the most amazing things that happened in that, which I know I'm going off on a rail, but I, I want to finish this, because this goes into our next part, memorable moments, because this definitely led to it. He, it was an auction game, and I remember he, he actually, he was so into the auction, he was like, all right, I'm going to offer you $200 in game money and 20 real dollars. <laughs> <laughs> And he busted out a 20 and laid it on the table. <laughs> that line was one of the best things. I will give you $200 in in-game money and 20 real dollars <laughs> for this one. So, well, alright, you won it. <laughs> so memorable moments, does the game allow you to do that? I don't know if that was allowed in the rules. I just I, yeah. It was a memorable moment. And, but I, I, I thought you were going to talk about QE. Oh, yeah, uh, QE. I kept playing Prices Right style. So did I. Yeah, one up. One dollar. <laughs> one dollar more. One dollar, Bob. It was really good. So, yeah, yeah that, that should be a game we should talk about next time. Yeah. But those, those are our five criteria, and we will judge those by this. The first round, we go pretty quick. Second round, we'll debate a little bit more. And third round, we don't pick a side. So, are you ready? Let's actually talk about the games. We've been uh, belaying it. We have. Here comes the fun part with the, the games. We have our number one seed, Azul. Versus our number eight seed, Century New World. 
Our number two seed, hey, this one works, El Grande. Yeah, versus our number seven seed, Amerigo. Yeah, that one works oh, too. Okay, those are good. All right, hey, look. They check out. Uh, number three seed, Lorenzo El Magnifico. Versus our number six seed, Notre Dame. Those both check out. Versus yeah. our number four seed, Splendor. And our number five seed, Love Letter? Well, if nothing else, this is a different debate. Yeah. Uh, other than El Zul, El Grande, and of course we've done Notre Dame and Amerigo because of Stefan Fell, but other than that, they don't really hit this. This uh, Love Letter's new, or more something Century we haven't new debated world. in a while. Century New World is new because it always gets up for uh, Century Spice Road. Well, yeah. And Lorenzo El Magnifico, this is their first time on any of our lists. Yeah, so let's do it. All right, our first round is going to be Azul versus Century New World. As always, I have my Coin of Doom that we'll be flipping, depending on what it is. That'll be what side we take, and you'll pick from the Cup of Doom. Are you ready, sir? Oh, yeah. Let us begin. I will be starting off this debate, and I will be arguing for... Oh, that's the one you wanted. I actually like them both quite a bit. <laughs> but I'm assuming Zul. Yeah, okay. So, this is one of the few times in the debate where I'm just going to tell you, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. And by what I mean by this is, you know, you're the one who had to tell me why this was a Renaissance theme. And I trust that you understand that better than I do. Which is why I'm going to let you just have that in your mind and know that that's a positive argument for why this is in this what, category. What is, what is anyway, this all about? Uh, that, well, no, I'm saying that it's clearly a Renaissance game, as you've stated that it is. And I trust that even though you haven't clarified to me why. No, uh, uh, but what, what, what is this all about? You've even told uh, us. Well, specifically, it's about laying tiles. Where? In a pattern. But I don't remember the the, the backstory. It's... is about a Portugal king, um, right? Setting up like a I think I don't know. It's a bathroom or something for like yeah. the queen with, and he's doing like these tile placements and stuff like right. that. That's really what it is, right? Exactly. And it's during um, the Renaissance era, so technically that's the backstory. Like right. every game in the Azul series is based on what this king did for right. his queen, and especially the new one when it comes to her Queen Isabella's. Uh, topiary garden yeah exactly <laughs> no it i mean it makes sense i'm not saying it doesn't it's just i get that it's but this it's is so not a abstract theme, a thematic game no oh, no none of the mechanisms make sense for what that theme <laughs> is other than the fact that the pieces are absolutely great um so this is made by the same publisher this is uh plan b games both yeah both of them both of them are plan b games um azul is specifically in their next move line because it has four letters in the title because that's that's the reason. Sure, that is. That's why Reef and uh, no, I get it. Sure, uh, Taki. What was it? Tuki. Um, that's why those are all in the. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Bees. That's another one. They're all part of the same line. But the thing is, Azul. There's a reason it's this high on the list. Century New World is a really good game, and I love the worker placement in it. It's really fun, mm-hmm. and then the worker bumping on it, like you're basically bidding. It's super cool. But Azul is just one of the best abstract games where it got really thematic players to play an abstract game that they enjoyed. And because of that drafting mechanism alone um, and and just the way you score, that gets so many people into that game. I've never heard it go over poorly. I've never had anybody play it and say, well, I didn't like that game. 
you know, I've just always had a positive response to it. I do think between the two, it's tough for me to say because I do quite like them both. But I would vote for Azul to move on. Okay. So, uh, like I was mentioning to you about the backstory here. So yeah. I just pulled it up on Board Game Geek just to let you know what's going on here. Introduced by the Moors, Azulejos, originally white and blue ceramic tiles, were fully embraced by the Portuguese when their king, Manuel I, on a visit to Alhambra Palace in southern Spain, was mesmerized by the stunning beauty of the Moorish decorative tiles. The king, awestruck by uh, the interior beauty of Alhambra, immediately ordered that his own palace in Portugal be decorated with similar wall tiles. As a tile-laying artist, you have been challenged to embellish the walls of the royal palace of Evora. That's the backstory based off the Renaissance king, Manuel I of Portugal. Cool story, bro. So, I do think it should move on, though. Um, going based on our criteria, I don't disagree with you, honestly. I really think Century New World is a great game. I I gotta play it more. I prefer the, the Gollum editions myself. But that tells you that this one, or that one, matches the theme a little bit more than the mechanism because when you, uh, the Plan B games, when you got a whole other theme on it that doesn't fit in this category, yeah, just because still it works, yeah. yeah. Um, says something, but uh, Century New World is a really good game. It's a great worker placement. I love the the fact that if I put one worker there, then you have to put two workers there at that spot. You have to spend more of your workers to do the same thing I just did. Yep. You're still playing the basic Century game where you're trying to get those cards and the points at the end of the game. Uh, most points at the end of the game wins and you discovered the new world and all right whatever but i love the art in it um the colors can be a little iffy but that's another thing that gives me a knock for or gives a, a plus to azul is that they're very color wide friendly mm-hmm. the graphic design for azul is remarkable compared to something yeah. like century um but yeah no i don't disagree with you i think azul should move on as much as i like century a new world yep. It's been too long since I've played that. I, I need to play it again. But. And, the, and the thing is, this is not my favorite of the Azul series. Out of the Azul oh, series. I know it's not. Yeah. We're, we're going purely base. I know uh, the Rombai one is uh, your favorite. Summer yeah, Pavilion. Yeah, Summer Pavilion. All right. On to our next round, which is our number two seed, El Grande, versus our number seven seed, Amerigo, which hurts us a bit. Yeah. We are big stuff on Feld fans, if it wasn't obvious. Anyway, I'll be leading in this argument again. That's already really cool. Ooh, I bet that sounds cool. It's, right next. it's right next to the mic. I bet it's it's like me clicking the pen. Man, today is your lucky are we, day. Are we going ASMR all of a sudden? Alright, what what is mine? Amerigo. Amerigo. Oh, let's bring <laughs> it. Okay. So both of them are are on a map. And both of them have towers. Both of them have towers. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's about where the similarity... They're both pretty big boxes, too. Um, they are in the larger size, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grandiose boxes, because they've had big box versions. Yep. Um, America is super cool. Stefan Feld really knocked it out of the park. And what I liked about this is that he took a mechanism, which is the, the cube tower, mm-hmm. which is fairly divisive, because sometimes... Cubes may or may not fall out. Some might get stuck in there. Some might be seated like in a corner so you'll never see them again. The way you throw stuff in, you know, may or may not affect it. And if you were playing it in a way where 
I throw in some t- I throw in some cubes and take out whatever falls out, and that's what I can do. And then you do the same and take it out. Then it would be very good. But Stefan Feld figured that out. What he did is you throw in some cubes. Uh, any player does that. They throw in cubes. Whatever falls out, you could take any action of the colors that fall out. So if there's black, red, green, and blue, you can take any of those four actions. And you could take that action up to a number of times of whatever cube has the most of. So if there is uh, uh, four black cubes, there's two of everything else. You could take either the red, blue, black, or green action four times. Because that's how many the most were. Yeah. And everybody gets that option. It's not just you. Yeah. So it's who get who gets to do what. Um, it's, it's a matter of efficiency. Going around the islands, vying for control, uh, moving your boats battling each other, trying to get the resources needed, getting the technology up. Goodness, it's brilliant. I mean, we unfortunately, we've only played it that one time. Yeah. And, and I have not did. played it, and that was at your previous home. And yeah. And I enjoyed the mess out of it, and I've still been itching to get it back to the table. Yeah, no, uh, like I said, we uh, we mostly play get, like sh- games off for Shuffle Shame, new yeah. games that we need to play. We might need to do a game night where it's like, Bring old favorites that you want to play yeah, again. You're not allowed to bring Shelf of Shame games, yeah. right? You don't know how to play. If you haven't played it, then you don't get to play it. Yeah. That's my argument. That's what I think. Amerigo should move on. Um, But it's going up against a doozy. Going up against El Grande. It should be a winner. That's true. That's true. Spiel as far winner. as I know, Amerigo has never been nominated. Yeah. For even the Spiel. And this one is probably one of the better area controls some people like to say it's one of the more um granddaddies of the more modern area control style games i mean because risk has been around forever right but and it's old too this one doesn't really worry about dice rolling or anything like that yeah. you have your cube towers and stuff like that um and what comes out you have your workers already out there and you're trying to get them out there you're playing cards mm-hmm. that are numbered what one through nine or something like that I believe so, yeah. And you're just trying to get the most points by controlling the most areas. And it's very simple. I remember Wes looking at us going through the rules and be like, huh? Huh? And then we started playing. It's like, oh, this is very simple. Yeah, we get it now. Yeah, it's very simple. We get through it and have a great time with it. Uh, So I want to actually go through the criteria about these. Yeah, I'm fair with that. Ease of play. Okay. Um, Ooh. Oh, Neither of them are... Well, I mean, they're both... Because that's card play and worker. Much more than trying to figure out... Trying to remember, okay, blue does this, black does this. Red. Well, I mean, the memory is, is there, but it's just... It, like, it, it's not required. Like, you know what you can do. <sighs> Alright. Simplicity and familiar to the mechanism, I think, is El Grande. You play yeah. a card, worker Area plays... control, yeah. anybody who's played Risk. Okay, I give you that. Likelihood to get to the table, uh, both of these are kind of scary to new players, so... Yeah, they're both intimidating. And they both don't have the best-looking cover, so that's nope. not going to draw people to the table, so I'm going to call right. that one a push. Uh, okay, I'm okay with that. And you and me both played both of these games. Right, I would say Analysis Paralysis is in favor of El Grande. Yeah. Because of... Not because the mechanism is difficult, but because if I see you take an action, uh, like let's say you're you're building up your cannon fodder, mm-hmm. then I'm, I may have wanted to move at that point, but now I may not want to yeah. in America. So 
Yeah, that's. I was gonna say ease of play. That's uh, for yeah. me. There's less analysis paralysis in El Grande because just barely. Yeah, not a lot. Just barely. Yeah. Okay. I so wouldn't want to play either one of these with our friend who does have AP. Yeah, yeah, that that would be tough. But no, okay, ease of play goes to uh, El Grande. Yep. Replay value. Replay value. Um, that would I would say that would go to um, America. America because of the modular boards. Yeah, I was going to ex- uh, agree with you on that. The only thing is, um, I think El Grande has an expansion or two. Sure. Whereas, I don't think Amerigo does. Amerigo did. I oh, mean, did that's yeah. why it had the big box. That's right, it did. So, all right, yeah, I'll give you a replay. Exp- or they might, they're queenies. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. what they're called. The mini expansions. All right. Yep. So, we're going to skip this one. Okay. Uh, game Immersion. Neither? Yeah, neither one. Really. Well, if I, we're going theme matching the mechanism, uh, I think Amerigo fits a little bit better. Uh, though El Grande right. does fit what they're, what's going on during that time because you're trying to control the three areas of Spain. Right. I, th- uh, I think where where the El Grande or where the, the giant pawn is moving, that's pretty exciting. But then also when you reveal the tower, that's probably also slightly more memorable than America would be. Yeah, because really you're just waiting for cubes to come out of the tower. Although that's pretty exciting too. Doesn't really match the the theme. Oh, it doesn't match the theme (laughs) at all. I'm just saying it's memorable. But player Uh, interaction, which one is more likely for me to... I mean, probably probably El Grande. Yeah. Just barely. Yeah, they're they're both very abstracted. Uh, they're, They're both Euros. By and large, yep. which means nothing really thematic is coming out of it. Just your actions uh, as you're playing. El Grande probably will lead to more player interaction in a sense, just because you said about why are you coming in my area? Why why are you doing this over here? Don't do that. Don't play that card. Right. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so meaningful choice. Right now it's two to one. Art and production. Art production, uh, Amerigo. Oh, hands easily. down, yeah. Easily. The cube tower works. <laughs> the art is much better than much El Grande. Better. Yep. And the graphic design, both of them have really good graphic design. No. Uh, El Grande is not that bad. It's just a map with lines on it. Right. Right. Yeah. The From what I understand, the original El Grande, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it did. It only had cubes. Yeah, okay. But the cards have meeples. Yeah, but that's not really what you could get. Nowadays, you yeah. Could... Nowadays, you can get it with meeples, but yeah. it's just like the original used to just have cubes that were either smaller or bigger, and that looks like. Wait, America is all about cubes. Yeah, but that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, those were your dudes that you sent onto the map. Was yeah, yeah. Bigger. No, I don't disagree cubes. with you on that. We both agree that uh, go my army of gelatinous cubes. Now here goes and dice people. The big one. So it's two two meaningful yep. choice impacting another player strategy. Yeah, I think... so meaningful choice. I think hands down El Grande does more impactful stuff on other player strategies because yes, what Amerigo does, it it's a point salad game as Stefan Feld does. There's yep. many ways, many paths to victories. Yep. You have to impact other player strategies. Um, and, um, there, there is much less of it. Like getting onto the islands and controlling areas. Yeah. That's, that's a big part of it. Yeah. It did, uh, polyomino tiles before they were cool. <laughs> that's true you know? too. Uh, but yeah, realistically though, I don't disagree with you. It's, uh, impacting other player strategies is definitely, that is the whole point of El Grande. Yeah. So long-term strategy though. I think it's Amerigo. 
Because though your I whole would point say of the game. Grande. Really? Yeah, because those cards that you're getting, the number, the new cards that you get, oh, that's that right. impacts you permanently. Yeah, that's true. As well as um, arbitrary choices. There is arbitrary. They're both really strong strategy. So. They they really are, but you're also beholden to what comes out of the cube tower for sure. your actions. That's true. So if I'm really, really needing a black cube to come out and it's not coming out yeah. because of my strategy, that does affect gameplay. Yep. So okay. El Grande so, moves on. El Grande moves on. Nice. Fair and square. That hurts. Yeah, I agree. We should get El Grande to the table again. We need to play with more than two. Yeah, agreed. All right. Uh, our next seed will be our number three seed, Lorenzo Il Magnifico, versus our number six seed, Notre Dame, also a Stefan Feld game. And I will be leading off this argument again. Tells never fails, huh? Yeah. It's probably, one of, probably one of those well, magic trick coins you have. No, it's a... Let's see here. 2019 <laughs> Delaware printed... No, Denver printed. Sorry, not Delaware. Oh, you're, uh, Penny. You're, you're really coming up aces on this one. You, you begin to do all the arguments and you've got the other Notre Dame? Yep. Now, between the other Felds, though, when this is going up against Lorenzo El Magnifico, I do think Notre Dame would will move on. And that's because Notre Dame is a very good strategy game. I love the idea that the, each of the spots escalate. You're, it's kind of an area control in a way, but the more actions you take in a spot the more actions you get to do in the future. Yeah, yeah. And the bigger it gets. Um, that's one of the best things. The one thing that I will say about it, though, components, like, I know we give Alea a lot of guff for their art, and rightfully so. They deserve it. But the way those tiles are shaped and how they are modular for the player count is absolutely brilliant. Do you not agree with that? Like, oh, no, I, I, I think that is one of the smartest designs that I have ever seen in any board game. And do you have your copy of Notre Dame? Right here. If you don't mind. Because the center tile is either going to be a triangle, a square, or a pentagon, depending on the player count. And because you have to have a certain number of, of zones, basically. But each of the zones are made up of these really, really strange tiles. Oh, of course, they're on the bottom. All right, thank you. These really strange-looking tiles that are, you know, kind of like a really badly made pizza. And certain sides of them fit up against the the side that you're playing with, the triangle, the pentagon, or whatever. Yeah. And then they all lay out the same way, and then they are connected and inter interconnected by doing this. I think that is one of the smartest designs. Uh, functionally for the game, it makes a lot of sense. It does work well. And it's absolutely a brilliant solution to that instead of having to make different boards for it. I don't know if we can get that picture put up there. You should be able to. There we go. It's a terrible noise. I apologize. There we go. Yeah. That's so, how it's going to look. That's how it's going to look. And so, I mean, that's absolutely brilliant. I, I think that's one of the coolest designs I've ever personally seen. I mean, this is coming from the company that has made some pretty poor choices. And, and they had to what? Reprint... Uh, Carpe diem, what, three times <laughs> before they finally got it right? Exactly. So, I mean, on that alone, components in production, I think it wins that. Lorenzo El Magnifico, that's not to say it's not. It's no, not no, no. It's uh, Lorenzo El Magnifico, I do have to say, has some of the best art in a board game. 
but um, also some of the worst at the same time. Yes. In component-wise, your workers are your little pegs, and it's based on whatever the three dice you roll. Yeah. So you roll, a, what is it, a white die, a black die, and an orange die. And your workers are whatever your little pegs to those dice yeah. speak to get achievements. Little to get... cylinders that are marked with a single die color on the top. It's really weird. Yeah. It's don't get me wrong, Lorenzo El Magnifico. Fun game. Yeah, it's not bad. There's a reason we're debating it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't have as much yeah, fun cause... as I think you did, but um, Yeah, because uh, we have to debate it because yeah. it was ranked. That's that's our point. <laughs> no, I, I do think though, in with uh with Notre Dame though, I do think that the mechanisms in it are better. I think you have a longer-term strategy. Um, I'm not I'm not saying it's necessarily easy. No, you know what? I am going to say that. Because both of them are technically worker placement. This one, you're just controlling districts, which we agree. Uh, area control is a pretty straightforward concept. But that worker placement where the values change, like, that is by no means intuitive. Um, and what, what, what else is uh, that thing with the, the, the changing of the values and stuff like that? You're, again, it's the arbitrary choice thing. You're beholden to whatever the pips of the die face says. Right. So if I need to go to a certain location with my black worker, yeah. I can't if my dice doesn't roll, say, a four. Right. It, Which you can mitigate by spending workers to make the value yeah, of your family yeah, 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 more, and everyone has to deal with the same, but yeah. at the same time, it... It messes with everybody in a different way. Yeah, so you do affect other people's long-term strategies, but... No, you don't. The game does. <laughs> That's the problem. The game messes with your long-term and other players' strategies. Yeah, no, I don't You don't have you. control over that factor. <clears throat> Honestly, for me personally, as much as I like Lorenzo El Magnifico, and I love the history of this, yeah. because it is Lorenzo El Magnifico, the Magnific Lorenzo the Magnificent. Yeah. He took over, um, uh, what is it? I think it's Tuscany? No, it's not Tuscany. It's uh, He was a conqueror, right? Yeah, he yeah. took over like uh, Venetia, I think is what it was, is where he was. And so the game is about building buildings. Well, yes, uh, he was a patron of the arts, and that's what the game is what you're sure. all about. So I, I like it, but I don't like it as much as Notre Dame. Right. I think Notre Dame just needs to move on. I, no, I don't so disagree better. with you. It, it it hits on so many levels, and so I I gotta say Notre okay. Dame, which it's our means... list. We can say Notre Dame moves on. Notre Dame has to go up against the Zool. Good luck. All right, so <laughs> what am I saying? It's Stefan Feld. We can make an argument for it. Absolutely. All right, and our final category is the two that really just are kind of strange. Um. Splendor and Love Letter. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm okay with either of these. I, I love both these games. Don't get me wrong. I just did not expect to see them on my Renaissance list. I really didn't. And I will be arguing first. Alright. I'm telling you, it's a trick coin. Uh, He's a freaking magician over here. Apparently it is. I don't know. <laughs> you gotta get Love Letter. I'm okay with that. I like Love Letter. Which is funny, because I have to argue Splendor. Yeah, good luck arguing the theme on that. Memorable moments. I'm going to argue one positive on the memorable moments of Love Letter. Is the fact that that kind of shoehorned the concept of micro games to be good. 
I remember when that first came out, one of the biggest things I would tell people, the, the biggest moment would be the fact that when people like play a round or two and they go, wow, how can there be this much game in only 18 cards? It didn't make sense, honestly, but <laughs> it, but it, it was that good and people loved it and I still enjoy the game. I have like 12 copies of it somehow that I've just amassed. I have one copy of it. And it's Batman Love Letter. Yeah, Bat Letter. Yeah. Yeah. I sure. Dumb name. The theme matching the mechanism. Okay. Okay. Um, hey, Marvel Splendor <laughs> ain't exactly a <laughs> alright? So but no. Love Letter it But here's the problem. There's a Marvel Love Letter too. The Infinity Gauntlet and a Love Letter game. Yes, there is, <laughs> So the idea of Love Letter <laughs> is that uh I guess the um the 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 queen died i think and so yeah this is actually the story or the premise of it is that the queen passed away or is missing or something to that effect but because of that the princess is horribly grieved and uh and and going into a terrible slump and you are decide to cheer her up by producing fake love letters uh, saying that she has a secret admirer and you're trying to influence her to be happy which is why, if at the end of the game, whoever has the highest number, which is the princess, or, or the highest number of the royalty track who's closest to the princess, wins that round. But each category has different ways to influence the other characters. And you have to draw one card and play one card, right? Yep, yep. You draw a card, play a card. That's it. And you have, you have one card in your hand, draw a second card. That is your hand of two cards, you play one. And the one that you keep over is, is really the, the factor for end game. It's easy. It gets easy to play. I think. Well, does it? I don't know. Splendor is quite simple. Splendor has three different things you could do on your turn. <laughs> Love letter has one. <laughs> one different thing you could do on your turn. Discard a card. Play its ability. All right. Well, that's we'll, it. we'll talk about the that. Okay, it wins simplicity of the mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> Likelihood to get it to the table. Yeah. Splendor. Or no, not splendor. Like oh, no, I agree with you, Splendor. No, Love Letter, because it's it, it'll fit on any table. <laughs> it's so tiny. You could have like a little dollhouse table and you'd probably be able to play it. That That's true, be that as it may. I want a micro version of Love Letter. Like one where like the cards are only like, you know, a quarter of the size and you have like uh, no, micro cubes. No. Like, think about that. You can carry it in your wallet. Wouldn't that be like nice? No. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be that great. No, I would not want Love Letter in my wallet. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, so I have to argue Splendor, a game that I'm not a huge fan of. And we've talked about it before. <laughs> Century killed Splendor for me. But um, what's funny is I was looking it up here on uh, um, Board Game Geek to see how it falls into the Renaissance. It's because we're Renaissance merchants trying to buy gym mines. That that's that's the backstory. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that's the backstory. Splendor I mean, props is to of, Azul for having something at least. Is a game of chip collecting and card development. Players are merchants of the Renaissance trying to buy gem mines, means of transportation, shops, all in order to acquire the most prestige points. Azul has a better backstory. It does. And one like, and I understood Splendor's backstory. I already knew it. Not knowing Azul's backstory was still a better theme. <laughs> like, 
I just thought you were just tile layers and you're just trying to make something really nice. I kind of preferred that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but but Splinter, there's a reason why this is a very popular game yeah. and was around for a long time. Mind you, Love Letter could say the same thing and they've painted on how many things? There's like Lord of the Rings, uh, yeah, Batman. Batman. Apparently there's a Infinity Gauntlet. Marvel yeah. one is the most recent ones. Uh, so, yeah, it's been around for a while. I know what's interesting about this is our friend, we talk about him all the time, Gamehead Geek, yep. over on TikTok. Check him, TikTok, check him, check him out. Um, I can't talk. It's getting late. You it's almost, almost threw some profanity in there, <laughs> like, somehow. All right. All right. But he's uh, the gamer of his family. Yeah. And Splendor is his brother's favorite game. He loves playing Splendor. Yep. And every time they go over, he's, he says he plays it because his brother actually bought it or he got it for himself as well. Yep. And he plays it on the thing. It's like, that says something. Non-gamers got themselves a board game because of Splendor. Yeah. Um, and that's your, your wife. Yeah, games. I was going to say your wife who tolerates board games. Let's just say it's one of her favorites. But uh, for me... This is going to be tough for me because I like one of these games more than the other, but not much. One of these games is not like the other. So I'm going to go in here, ease of play, simplicity and familiarity of the mechanism. Uh, that's love letter right there. Yeah, I, I think, yeah. Likelihood to get to the table? Probably it's still a, love letter. Yeah, depending like on said, the just theme. Of, yeah, uh, the, the theme does help it, but also the fact that the portability, I mean, that's one of the few examples where it's like, it really is easy. To, yeah. You can play it in line waiting for like a concert, you know? And, yeah, I'll give you Love Letter Gets Ease of Play because the prone to analysis paralysis, you get a card, you play a card. I yeah. don't know how long you got to think about yeah. the two cards There's that are two in cards, <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted... <laughs> That's not to say uh, Splendor exactly is prone to analysis paralysis. It's really not. It's one of the faster games. But you have two cards. <laughs> like, if you can't decide, flip a coin. <laughs> There's your choice. Uh, replay value, Splendor. Yeah. Uh, Neither. Art production, Splendor. Now, hold on. I mean, obviously, Love Letter Premium, I think, would be Splendor. Um, Splendor's a great production. No, Splendor's a great production. Splendor the, got the people to start using okay. poker chips in games. Maybe I'm just salty because mine is missing one of the stickers on one of the chips. Well, that's just because of you. And, and true story, uh, I had to answer a question that was on uh, the Board Game Revolution forum. Because somebody was trying to figure out why they would take their copy of Splendor, keep it in a Ziploc bag, and their bag kept getting searched. Because there is a metal core to each of those poker chips. It's a plastic casing over a metal core. And nobody knew that until mine, lucky copy of missing a sticker, reveals a metal core. That's how I knew about it. And that's why I was sending off those uh, TSA alarms. Because they were, they were seeing a stack of random... Of random metal discs. Now that's questionable. <laughs> now, but I honestly, the art is fine in Splendor. Yeah, it's the art's good. I I like the art. I'm, but I'm the just components giving... and pieces and uh, Splendor. the chips are white. Maybe, yeah, yes. And then I I'm okay with the graphic design in Splendor. Sure. Yeah, the icons make sense. Yeah. Each of the gems make perfect sense on how so, they're oriented. Yeah. Sure. That's why I give that to Splendor. Okay. Uh, game immersion. 
Game of Version. They, um, they, they both love the theme. Player interaction. Honestly, I'll give it's, that one to Love Letter. Yeah, because because Splendor, you can play without talking. Yes, you absolutely <laughs> and should. And, <laughs> no, no, Love Letter. I mean, you once you embrace the absurd theme of it, it's it's pretty darn funny. Uh, I do have a memory of playing Love Letter, but it wasn't actually Love Letter as Munchkin Love Letter. Uh-huh. And the princess is the loot, and so our whole thing yep. was like, "Do you have the loot?" So there's memorable moments in there, yep. but that one actually doesn't fit this category because we weren't playing Love Letter. I do have a memorable moment because I like the uh, the it's not the king. I I think it's the no, it's the um, countess. That that's one of the best cards to play. I love playing that card because what it says in there is that if you if you draw either the prince or the king, you must discard the countess, right? That's that's her ability. It's just uh if this happens you have to discard it. So obviously that also means if you if you draw the princess, which you'll lose if you discard her, so you're gonna discard the countess. But just because I discard the countess, you can safely assume, oh well he probably has the king or the prince, possibly the princess. Doesn't mean I can't discard her without any of those. Yeah. I could have a guard in my hand. And I love it when people finally figure that out, where they're like, they're like, oh, you discarded the Countess. All right, well, it's pretty obvious what you have. There's there's the king on the table, there's one prince, and we haven't seen the princess yet, so let's guess that. And I'm like, nope, I have a guard. <laughs> you know, I, you wouldn't say it, but I'm like, I'm sitting with a one in my hand being so happy about myself. <laughs> you know, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'll give you the game immersion to Love Letter, but when it comes to Meaningful Choice, Splendor. Meaningful choice, yes. Okay, I'll give you that. So three to two, Splendor moves on. All right. Can't believe I fought for Splendor. You did a great job. You fought. You fought hard, and uh, you were the victor. What's nice about this when we get into uh, where we're going? Yeah. All of these games I played in. Remember. <laughs> yes. Yes. Quite. Quite a. Quite a benefit. So, going into round number two, normally we would have our fan vote, but uh, we're going to skip that for now, just because, unfortunately, we just didn't post it. We didn't have uh, time, really. Yeah, yeah, we just, this was kind of a last minute episode, but that's fine. Our number one seed versus our number six seed, Azul versus Notre Dame, and... As well as our number two seed versus our number four seed, El Grande versus Splendor, and you're going first again, aren't you? Take a look. Sure am. I'm telling you. It's a trick. That is five heads in a row so far. Can I get ten? Let's find out. I'll flip it at the end. Just oh, to see. I was like, if, if we don't hit a tails in the next two rounds, I'll just keep flipping it and see. Alright. I know which one I want. And the one you Either is, is Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Alright. Let's argue about this because both of them are about um, a really... Uh, beautifully decorated building. See, see what I did there? They're both. So, theme aside, we can cast that because um, uh, technically, uh, anyway. No, Notre Dame, I mean, it it's, that definitely doesn't get ease of play. I give you that. It doesn't get expandability either. Or, no, or there's, value. there's uh... There is like too many expansions. Yeah, there's a couple expansions. But that's not the only thing is, I mean... Uh, Azul is naturally more uh, e- 
or more replayable oh, yeah. because of how the tiles come out each yeah. round. Um, it's not by much. I mean, you're not going to notice too big. Too and it's not just that um, when you flip it, you can flip the board instead of doing the one with the pattern. You could do right. your own pattern. Exactly. Exactly. So that I think that leads into more like fun scoring mm-hmm. combinations. Do do some fun stuff with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, either way. Uh, then we have. Art and graphics, which unfortunately I don't think Notre Dame would get that one. But meaningful choice. <laughs> I'm going to say the way that you build out your burrows and you build up those things, the escalating spots, mm-hmm. dealing with the rats in there. Like, there's the negative thing that it's like, well, you know, they're pretty bad, but you could also, you also yeah. always have that sense of feeling. It's like, well, I could probably ignore it, you know, and. And get enough points and where it's regret like, it every, okay. every minute of it. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then hate yourself for the rest of the game because you're ignoring it. You're like, ah, oh, I'm hurting so bad. Why are these rats compounding like that? You know, uh, I love that part of it. Oh, I think yeah. Meaningful Choice would definitely go to Notre Dame, personally. And I'm not saying there's a lot of really heavy strategic choice, but the fact is, I just don't think Azul has enough in it where I, where I can unsee Notre Dame as far as Meaningful Choice. With that being said... I don't think any of either of them have uh, player interaction, game immersion, which whatsoever. Um, other than the cursing each other out in Azul when I take the tiles that you want, or I force somebody else to take all the tiles in the middle and getting huge negative points. Yeah, I get that. Which is rude. Yeah, I get that. Um, this one, this one's tough for me. I like Azul, and I really like Notre Dame. It's actually one of my favorite of the Feld games. Yeah. I, I really enjoy what's going on. I love the fact that you can move that cart around the board. And, and clearly, do... the the fans do, too. Otherwise, it wouldn't be voted so high. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, interesting. Well, <laughs> do you see what number one was in that thing that we both haven't played? No. Spirit Island. <laughs> You know what? Let's just stop the episode now. This is dumb. <laughs> this list is broken. Spirit Island is number one on the... That's right, it was, wasn't it? <laughs> For those of you who don't know who what Spirit Island is, you are spirits basically playing the other side of Settlers of Catan, where people are coming in, settling your area, and you're trying to get them out. Yeah. It... it... Settling, you know, you know the conquest, uh, 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 the, 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 the fantasy made up stuff. Uh, oh the, yeah, but it's basically Spirit uh, Island yeah. is not a Renaissance game. Sorry. Well, it's about um, it's about it, it has fictional a, uh, the exploration era, pretty much in the Renaissance, where you know Portugal and everybody was conquering the New World, and when know, we found Spirit Island. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, from what I understand, it was just down the street from. <laughs> But, you know, Atlantis, you know, why isn't Atlantis rising on this Renaissance list? Uh, because that's ancient Greek. No, because it probably also was Atlantis still <laughs> in the Medi- in the Renaissance time. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly, Creative Chaos. It's This this one's a bit tough for us on this, uh, this category. <laughs> yeah. Just some of the games on this list. Um, All right, go ahead and argue for Azul, though. Uh, it's Azul. Alright, moving on. Uh, as much as I love Notre Dame, don't get me wrong, I th- it's not easier to play than Azul. Uh, no. Length of time, it's gonna play, Azul's going to play quicker. 
Minimum scales number of plays. Better. Yeah, scales better. Minimum number of plays is different. Expandability is about the same. So I think Azul wins that one over Notre Dame. Actually, this plays a higher player count or a larger player count than uh, Azul. Oh, yeah, because Azul only does four and this one does six. Five. Five. All right, so minimum number of plays. For full experience. Azul. This one's not going to play. I would say it's a wash. All right. Because they're both first play you should know. All right. Well, we could do replay value as a wash. Okay. Uh, you're saying meaningful choice for Notre Dame? Notre Dame. Absolutely. Uh, I, won't, I can't disagree with you on that. Other than um, uh, the impacting other long player strategies, uh, if you take something from someone out, it, you know, the cussing and stuff like that we were talking about earlier. <laughs> uh, yeah. But... Because Notre Dame is all about playing cards and doing your worker stuff. Yep. It's not that much more impactful, and you're also worried about what you draw up and yep. how those rats are going to compound. Yep. Game immersion. Uh, I think Notre Dame fits the theme a little bit better than Azul does because you do feel like you're in the Renaissance, whereas you didn't even know the the theme. Didn't even know Azul had a theme. <laughs> yep. Uh, player interaction, though, Azul gets that one much more. Um, and I think there's just better memorable moments in Azul. And, as we said, art and production is Azul, hands down. Because, you know, Alea. Which is weird, because Ravensburgers yep. work with them, and they've done really nice games lately. Yeah. Click the pen. Azul moves on. Yep. All right, next one. El Grande versus Splendor. Okay, this is an interesting one. And in that I've never thought we'd compare the two. So, either way, let's find out. Tails! I get to on. argue one, and it's probably going to be Splendor again. Oh, no, I get El Grande. Sweet. Oh, okay. I can argue Splendor. Go ahead. Let's just put that over there. I accept your challenge. And I raised you a poker chip. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I get to argue El Grande. It's a spiel winner. And it's still one of the... Uh, it's one of the older spiel winners, and it's still a really good game. We're, we're always talking about it. There's a reason why it's so highly rated on Board Game Geek. It's probably one of my favorite area control games out there. Okay. Um, when we're going through our meaningful choice category here... I think El Grande wins that one. Don't really have a lot of arbitrary choices out there. Not that you have a lot in Splendor. But if you have this build up for gems over here and someone ticks your freaking card, don't really have much choice other than with your gems now. Other than that, I don't think it's moving on. I don't either. <laughs> but the reason being, art and production. Way Splendor. better yeah. Splendor. Uh, yeah. I do think it has more meaningful choice than Splendor. Not much. Agreed. I, I do think... Uh, I, I definitely agree El Grande has a more meaningful choice than Splendor. But ease of play, much Splendor. simpler. Yep. Uh, Splendor is much simpler. And replay replay value, value, Splendor. Splendor. Uh, as well as game immersion. There's going to be more memorable moments from Splendor. Uh, you're not really going to talk a lot. I would say there's more play interaction easily in El Grande because you're fighting over the control when everybody reveals their dial. You know? I don't know. I've heard your wife threaten a divorce when you play Splendor. No, that's Machu Koro. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> get it get your facts straight, sir. 
Oh, I've heard her threatening you both games, so... Ah, uh, well, I mean, that's, that's, we, that's we, common we, thought. You when know, we that's played we it do. at the, the party in the back room at our buddy's house, <laughs> you, me, my wife, and your wife, uh, and your wife was threatening you the whole time. That, that's not anything unknown. But, like, I, I love how, like, there are some games that are just synonymous where, where we'll just be playing a game and I'll play a card and it's like, alright, I'll play this three. And she'll just look over at me, papers in the mail. <laughs> like, that's all she needs to say, right? I'm like, oh, it hurts. Yeah, so it hurts. That's, that's what I'm saying, memorable moments. It's just, I've only... <laughs> I can see her doing that, creative yep. chaos. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just... Uh, okay, I, I can see what you're saying, but... Yeah. Because of the player it, interaction. Mind you, we've... You not that me. it matters. Honestly, right. if we played with the normal, the group that we do, the four guys uh, that we do with Gamehead Geek and our other mutual friend, <laughs> I could see us going. I mean, look at how we went with QE. <laughs> Imagine us an area control game. Yeah. Or uh, we were playing with that other mutual friend, uh, Risk Legacy, and uh-huh. it's like he nuked us all the time. <laughs> yeah, he was he was pretty nuke crazy. So I, I could see Go Grande leading to some really and, memorable And Splendor, unfortunately, just can't do any of those, which yeah. is why... I think game immersion definitely goes to El Grande. But still, it's three to two, Splendor. Splendor moves on. All right. And this final category for Splendor versus Azul. Uh, in this last category, the finals, we do not pick a side. Coin is going away, so it's the Kelp of Doom, because we're just going to simply argue between the two. I feel like this is going to be a pretty even match going into it. Both of them are pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I think this is actually going to be a tough one to decide between the two. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you on this one, and we don't have a fan vote. And we don't have a fan vote, so we cannot, we cannot Call be unfair. Them. Yep. So last one is. Uh, All right. Are there any of these that immediately stand out? Art production. Art production goes to Azul, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not by much. Yeah, the pieces I just, are good in both. Yeah, I just like the way um, how Azul works with yeah. the, the graphic design wise. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, so one point for Azul, art production, meaningful choice. In my opinion, your long term strategy is the basis of Azul, and because you are never taking those tiles off of the board. No, they're, once, they're, once them, they're on that board, they're, they're stuck there. Yeah. And the fact that you are that you can hate draft in it, there's technically a little bit of that in Splendor. If I see you going for something, I could pull the card and save it for myself. That doesn't help me necessarily, but that does hurt you. But, but it also, really, Azul plays into that much better. You're only allowed so much, do so. Do you want to really hold clunk up? Is your it hand? worth it? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Let's say that they don't do that to you. You know. Yeah. Whereas Azul, I think that player interaction, the the affecting long term strategy of other players, is definitely more prominent in Azul. Yeah, or making sure you, yeah, it's going to be your negative point, but try to be the first one to get the, the the, the one player tire. This way, you have first choice in the next yep. round. All right, Azul gets another point. Ease of play, I'm good. I would say, Splendor. Yeah, I would agree with you on Splendor. Uh, just for the simple fact that, again, it's really simple. You take some gems or you pay for some um, yeah. cards. Yeah. And I think what taking tiles and adding it to your board is not too too 
uh, difficult. It's the scoring. Yeah. That the, 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 every, the column that, in the row. Yeah. And not to rem- uh, also remember to try to make sure you get your bonuses and all that. The scoring is... Whereas uh, when we go into the scoring with Splendor, it's just count up your numbers. <laughs> yeah. That's it. It's pretty tough. Okay. All right. Moving on. We have replay value and game immersion. Uh, honestly... Replay value, I think, um, is is a wash in this case. Oh, we're going to have to be fair about it. Both play fairly well. Both hold about the same amount. I think it's four for Splendor as well as it's four for Azul. Yep. Yep. Um, so there's a wash there. Minimum number of plays to get the full experience. For me, I think that one goes to Splendor just because of the cards. There's a lot more Agreed. cards than other than the tiles. There's a certain amount of tiles. You know what's coming up eventually. Um, expandability. Um, I think Azul has what two expansions? Azul has one expansion. One expansion. And the... it's overlays and slightly different boards. Whereas uh the one expansion for Splendor is four separate modules. Yeah, so it's just that cannot be played together. Which I think doesn't yeah. matter, but it's still four. So, Splendor gets a point? Yep. So, Game Immersion. Wow. Which one is more Renaissance? Technically Azul? Uh, technically Azul, because it's based off an actual historical event. Okay. Alright, so we'll... The theme it, matches the, the mechanism. Yeah, because it, it's based off of King Manuel's thing, and all of them have ba- been based off of something right. that happened in Portugal. So, by, by a hair, hair. It, it's more... Which one because, adds more memorable and, moments? And here's my thing argument for against Splendor. They put a whole Marvel theme on it and it still makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yep. They've never rebranded Azul to a different theme no. other than Tile Lane. <laughs> yeah, really. they they went to Stained Glass, which again is uh, Sintra. Uh-huh. Uh, they also went to the Summer Pavilion, which uh, is like what's going to be the next one, the Gardens. It works with the Gardens as well. Yep. So, yeah, they're all still really based off actual historical events. Cool. All right. And... Theme immersion. So, theme me- mechanism, that's Azul. Player, Player interaction. interaction or memorable moments. Uh, both are Azul for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, player interaction, again, the hate draft, the talking. We've played games where of Splendor where no one's talking. Everybody's yeah. just doing their thing, and that's it. Not really player interaction. Other I've than... done the same with Azul, too. Honestly, the, the, the other reason for this one for me is I've played the giant Azul. Okay. And so playing that and at a con, that's already a memorable moment for me, but uh, it, yeah. I just think I don't really get that with Splendor. I don't get those memorable moments. To me, Splendor is like Seven Wonders, where I can play in complete silence and be done in like 20 minutes and be like, okay, that was fun. Let's go somewhere else. Yeah. Whereas Azul, I sit back and think, man, have I done this? Or should have done this? Or done this better? Yeah. Okay. All right. So that gives it three to two for Azul. Our winner... For the best renaissance game. I can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> the best renaissance game is the abstract game of Azul. Well, it's like a space-based winning dice game. Yeah, that's true. Wow. You know, space-based was in the running for this, for renaissance game. 
No, it wasn't. Might as well have been. No, it wasn't. Oh, goodness. Well, we hope you enjoyed that episode as much as we liked debating this absurdity. Cause that <laughs> it was, really, was very absurd. It was really ridiculous. Um, we want to let you know that it, if you enjoyed this and you ever want to watch us record a live episode, we know we're sporadic right now. We're hoping to get a, a consistent schedule, but we want to give a shout out to our friend Creative Chaos for joining us today. And uh, anybody else who joins us in chat, feel free to swing by twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames. And come say hi to us. Yeah. As well as you can find all video re-uploads on YouTube at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what we do there, there's three things you can do to help us grow on that platform. Subscribe if you're not. Like the video. And comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. As well as all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. Uh, and this includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. And if you ever want to say hi to us directly or have ideas for future episodes... Please give us a shout out at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. You can also get in contact with us at our official Twitter account at EBG Podcast. So we want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. And I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board games. <laughs>